Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of A Trophy Life, the official podcast of the Naismith Awards here in Atlanta. This is Bob Rathman, and coming up on this week's show, we'll have a great interview with John Crispin, our good friend from ESPN. We'll be focusing in on basketball in the Northeast. We'll talk about COVID and his take on what's happening around college basketball this week. In fact, one of his games after we recorded our interview was canceled due to COVID. So all that coming up with John in just a moment. You can follow John on Twitter at J-O-N Crispin, C-R-I-S-P-I-N-E-S-P-N is his his hashtag for Twitter. You can follow us, of course, on Instagram and Twitter at Naismith Trophy. And you can follow me, too, at Bob Rathbun TV on Instagram and Twitter. We begin with our Jersey Mike's news and notes for the week. And before we get into the schedule, we want to talk about the top of the AP Women's College Basketball Poll. And by the top, I mean the top 10. Because UConn's record run of 16 years in the top 10 this week came to an end. UConn had been ranked among the top 10s in the poll for 313 straight weeks, going all the way back to March of 2005, when they were also number 11. That is 101 more weeks than the next longest streak ever held by the women of Tennessee. The current record holder is number 10, Baylor. They now have the longest active streak, 136 consecutive top 10 appearances. At the top, unanimous number one, South Carolina. For the men, strong number one, of course, is Baylor. Just a handful of games to watch for this week, uh, Tuesday night, A lot of these conference games are getting moved into December because of the expanded conference schedules, and a couple of them pop up on Tuesday night. Xavier will go to Villanova, and of course Villanova try to get back on track, and Kansas will be at Colorado in a Big 12 game Wednesday night. Number 6, Arizona, at 11-0, goes to Thompson Bowling to take on the Tennessee Volunteers. And a huge women's game on Tuesday has Stanford at South Carolina. And the schedules taper off from there as the teams across the country, men and women, gear down for the Christmas holiday. We'll talk about all that and more with our good friend John Crispin when we come back after this from Jersey Mike's. Jersey Mike's would like to dedicate the next three seconds to our new grilled portobello mushroom and Swiss sub. Trust us, it tastes good too, because fresh ingredients make a sub above. Always a pleasure to catch up with ESPN and Westwood One broadcaster John Crispin to talk about our great game. But before we do, welcome to the world, Jonathan James Crispin. You got a new baby boy. Yes, I do. Uh, And scary enough, we we had the name Jonathan James. I'm Jonathan Scott. Uh, we had the name Jonathan James picked out, and we're like, you know, let's just see what he looks like. Well, it turns out he looks exactly like me, so we stuck with Jonathan. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so we'll have two little boys, 20 months apart, a year apart in school. Uh, people on the outside think it's great. Uh, my wife and I, I think we're going to have 18 fun years, and we will have no idea how to keep up with these two, but it, it'll be a joy. We're, we're, we're ready to roll. Well, congratulations to you Thank and your you. family. That is outstanding. Well, the one thing since we chatted last has not changed, unfortunately, and that's yeah. we're losing games uh, to COVID. Yeah. Uh, as we record this on Monday morning, uh, the latest Kentucky-Louisville on Wednesday yeah. now goes down with Louisville in a total program pause. 
Ohio State had to bail out of Vegas. Now they cancel another home game. Memphis and Tennessee went down the drain after so many people were looking forward to that uh, that game in Nashville. Uh, it's sad, but, you know, John, this is what we're faced with, and, and it looks like this may be um, a, a scene that's going to be repeated now for the next few weeks. Yeah, and I, and I tell you, I, I think one of the mistakes we've made over the past, I mean, probably decade plus, and I think Twitter, social media has a lot to do with this, we get so focused on having a take on what is as opposed to just stepping back and saying, now what? I think at some point we have to start to look at these issues and say, okay, now what? Now what as a program? Now what as the NCAA? Now what as a conference, as a commissioner? Saying, what is the focus? Because it's not about taking a stance anymore. It's about living with this to a degree with which we feel comfortable uh, and trying to move forward in a way that, that is sustainable in so many ways. Because I do. I feel badly for these kids. And a lot of these kids have, have done everything possible last year to be able to play you know, everything they thought they needed to do this year to be able to play and rhythm of the season is once again impacted. I think it was something I talked a lot about last year was season rhythm. And the season rhythm last year was clearly interrupted because there was no real start. We had a finish, but there was no real start and there was no consistency throughout. This year, it felt like we were going to have that. We were going to have a good start to the season where teams got together early, September, October, November, good practices. Now you see better teams on the floor I think what we're going to see is a little step back from that rhythm. I think we're going to see teams that struggle once again, and teams like Memphis, who was supposed to play Tennessee after coming off of a great win, Memphis has to step back and they lose that rhythm. You've got a young core. You've got young guys who really will thrive with rhythm, with feel, with, with a confidence. You finally got it. You, go, you have another opportunity to play your rival in Tennessee, and I believe they were in Nashville for that game, and it gets – canceled and I just think it's going to really it's going to hurt the young teams the most just like it did last year Uh, the hope is that young teams are able to going to rebuild and get back to a a postseason that that is competitive the way we expect it to be and John you are so right about the start of the season uh, ramping up we had so many great games uh, that just got us all and I think we appreciated it more because it was taken away from us last year but we yes. had fans back in the stands. We had great finishes. I mean, I think that that Purdue-Rutgers game, after Purdue gets to number one for the first time in their history, they go on the road, Big Ten game at Rutgers, and bam, the shot of the year probably uh, on that uh, that incredible buzzer beater to allow Rutgers to win. Uh, and now it seems uh, muted just a bit uh, with all these postponements and cancellations and that's a shame because you know and you touched on it the guys want to play they you know this is especially now that school's over for the most part they're in that transition between the semesters and this is a time to practice and play and it's it's all been hit hitting the pause button again yeah it's it's going to be a challenge for kids especially when you you think about you know what we talk about having fans back well for a lot of players they've never played in front of fans and for a lot of guys who maybe played a season in front of fans and then had last year, there's a great impact when you go on the road and you go to the rack, which is now Jersey Mike's Arena at Rutgers, and you're facing that fan base once again. It, it's different. And it really requires you to adjust a little bit, to feel the game a little bit more, understand your own emotions and how they impact the game a little bit more. But now with these pauses, it's, it's almost that unknown 
like like for us as broadcasters, I'm supposed to call call a Rutgers game on the 23rd, and there's a part of me going, how much prep do I want to do? Like, right. Are we even having this game? And, and look, when it all said and done, I'm doing my prep. I watch more games on Synergy than anybody else. I watch clips. I watch breakdowns, and I, I get myself ready for the game. But if that's present in my mind, is it not present in a kid's mind? Is it not present in a coach's mind? I think that's going to be one of those kind of subconscious challenges where you have to be aware of what you're feeling and what you're thinking at all times because there will be some slippage because of your subconscious step back to say, are we even going to play these guys? How much do I want to prepare for this game when, truth be told, they're on a pause. I don't even know if we're going to be able to play. I think coaches who who are veterans who have done this for a long time, players that are veterans that have done this for a long time, they will prepare for every game as if it's being played because you want to continue to build those good habits. Those good habits are going to allow you to play to your potential in the game. So it'll be those young teams that don't know how to maintain focus and be diligent, maintain good habits. And some Coach K always said to me last year, he goes, we are really just, we are a byproduct of our habits. And my hope is that we can develop good habits throughout the course of the year. Last year, really difficult to have good habits. You can't have accountability uh, with a COVID year like we had last year because guys aren't, aren't going to class because classes aren't, aren't, aren't uh, in person. They're all online. So that, that little bit of accountability helps you develop good habits. I was hoping we'd have it this year. But I feel like some of the bad habits are going to creep back in, and we may fall back into that that inconsistency that we saw last year. Because, man, last year, whoever was betting on these games, I think you were crazy. <laughs> you know, we were so consistently inconsistent that the unpredictable was definitely going to happen. So you couldn't, in any way, bank on one thing or the other. We're starting to see that again, and I just hope we can get to a point where we can build back with consistency because we have good basketball teams, and you look at the top twenty-five. Anyone can beat anybody else, and that's what makes college basketball great. There are no absolutes. Anybody can beat anybody, but you've got to be playing basketball at the highest level, at least to your potential, to give us what we're really looking for in this game, and that's just competition, excitement, just joy watching the game. Hopefully we can get back to it at some point. I wanted to get your take before we talk about the teams and the games about the Big East in, in this regard. They're the only conference that is – forfeiting games that can't yeah. be played. Uh, what's your take on that? You know, it's it's a hard thing given the fact that players don't really have a say in this. And this kind of points back to the other issue, which is you look at the NFL and what they're doing, saying, you know, asymptomatic guys won't be tested, and, and in that case they'll be able to play. At what point do college players, you know, whether it's college football players, college basketball players, have a say in, in what we do moving forward? These are young adults. Uh, these are kids that can make decisions on their own because they're 18 years old, yet we really haven't progressed to the point where we have representation. And I do think it's unfair that there are rules in place where you have kids who are saying, I'm fine. I'm, I'm vaccinated. I'm fine. I have no symptoms. And now you're taking games away from me, which is my opportunity to play. But in addition, that's a loss. And I think those forfeits are a really tough thing. I mean, look, it's tough for coaches, but I think it's tough for players because players don't yet have that true voice. Mm-hmm. And if players had a true voice and were able to come together and say, this is what we're willing to do, this is what we accept, this is the liability and the responsibility we accept, and that way we are responsible for ourselves. I think until that happens, I have a tough time being okay with saying, you forfeit and it's a loss. I really, I think it's not really respectful to the commitment the kids are making. 
and not really respectful to the fact that, that these kids are young adults. We, we want them to behave like young adults, yet we don't really accept that they can take responsibility on their own. So I, I think mm-hmm. there are a lot of areas where we need to get better at and, and player representation, not for name, image, and likeness. I think we get so consumed by name, image, and likeness of whether players get paid. How about just the fact that they can make decisions as to whether they feel comfortable with the situation or not? I, I think that's something that would go a long way. And then you can look at, hey, it was your responsibility to take care of these things, and you didn't do it, so maybe then a forfeit is okay. But the fact that they don't really have the representation, I think that's a tough thing for kids. Let's talk about some teams that you have either called their games or seen them, certainly on tape. Yep. Uh, amazing to me that they haven't been ranked. Uh, they will be this week for sure, and that's Providence. Uh, yes. 11-1, and one, uh, beat UConn last uh, man. What a ball club. I really like what I see from the Friars. Yeah, this is a really good basketball team, and and I I don't really understand what we miss with some teams. Yeah, you know, I think sometimes we we look and say, well, we'll we'll see how they go. And and that's kind of been the case with Providence and Ed Cooley's group, where we say, well, let's just see what they do. I actually had this Providence team at the Legends Classic in, um, in Newark. Uh, they, they lost to Virginia in the championship game, and it was you know it was just a typical Virginia game where they limited possessions. But I think they learned a lot. I think they understand who they are now, and they understand how to to play inside out, but also outside in. They're a balanced group, and they're also tough. And I think it's one of those things where when you see the toughness and you see the adaptability on the floor, it's just an eventuality that they're going to be a ranked basketball team. And the Big East is, man, really strong. I mean, you go through the Big East, you saw what Creighton did to Villanova, and you start to look down, you go, Creighton, Providence, Xavier, St. John's is very good. You know, and then you keep going through Seton Hall, UConn, Marquette is very solid with Shaka Smart coming back home. And then Villanova. I, I don't think anybody can argue against this being the best conference in the country right now. I, oh, I think yeah. we look at, at top side potential too much. You know, we see teams like Purdue, who, yes, is great, you know, you know, uh, the SEC will have some top-side potential guys. Big 12 will have some top-side potential guys. I, I just think we need to look at the teams that from bottom to top, the conferences, I should say, from bottom to top, that are the strongest. Because if there are no easy nights in your conference, then you're one of the best conferences in the country. And there are no easy nights in the Big East, especially with Providence coming on the scene here at 11-1 and with with one loss that you could probably say is a bad loss, but to me – there's no such thing as a bad loss. It's just a tough learning experience. Well, put Seton Hall in that category. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, there, here's another team. It seems to fly under the radar nationally, but, you know, knocking off Texas and then taking down Rutgers right after they beat Purdue. Uh, your take on uh, the Pirates? Look, I, I think they're, again, one of those teams that fits the the prototypical toughness of the Big East. And, and to me, this is the old Big East, right? Where you can win games in the hundreds, you can win games in the 80s, you could also win games in the 60s and 50s. The adaptability is there, the personnel is there, and we don't give the Big East enough credit for the personnel it has. I don't know what that is. I don't know why. I think we get so enamored with one and dones that we really don't give credit to the teams that have, you know, four seniors in the starting lineup. You know, three seniors and two juniors. We we just discredit them because. Well, they don't have the one-and-done talent that maybe a Memphis has or a Duke has. I, I think we, we have to step back and say, what makes college basketball great? Well, what makes college basketball great is the teams that are experienced. They've been around. They've grown together. They've been molded to one another, and they've been molded to a system and a style that is consistent from the coach down. And Seton Hall is a great example of that, right? Good size, good guard play. 
the right transfers. You know, Kadari Richmond, a great transfer pickup. So I, I think they've done a good job of building with the right guys. And, and to me, I think some of the schools that look for the one-and-dones, they also look for those one-and-done-like transfers, a guy that can be a home run hitter but maybe strike out a few times, whereas the Big East, to me, is a good-fit guy type of conference. The only way you go to Villanova is if you fit. You know, Javon Quinterly, who's now at, at Oklahoma, like, he's a guy who is – not Oklahoma, excuse me. I'm, I'm, I'm getting that. Yeah, no, Oklahoma. Uh, great off the ball. Al, Alabama, excuse me. Great off the ball. Has bounce. Uh, but did fit at Villanova. Five-star kid. Didn't Villanova, fit Villanova. Yet Seton Hall's got guys where you say, look, you only come here as if you fit who we are. And I think that's a reason why we should pay more attention to the Big East. I think it's a reason why we should pay more attention to the Big Ten. It's all about good fit, guys. It's not about whether you can hit a home run once out of every 10 swings. Another league that you cover is the American. You touched on Memphis, but the team that from that league that went to the Final Four last year yeah. uh, is still the Houston Cougars. I still think that's the team to beat in that league. Their game at Alabama was a classic. It's a shame it was on a Saturday night <laughs> during college football uh, at 10 o'clock Eastern time because uh, if the country had seen that game, uh, they yes. would have a, a much different opinion, I think, of, of the Houston Cougars so far this season. I know you know they're good. Yeah, they're, they're, it's funny. Last year, they, they were scratching the surface for a while last year, and a lot of teams talked about them. Could they be a Final Four contender? And early in the season, they said, no, they don't score it well enough. And I was wrong to a degree. I mean, I think they got better scoring the basketball. They, they found a little better balance offensively, and they definitely got better in that department. But ultimately, they went from great to just incredibly dynamic and just unstoppable defensively with their intensity and their physicality. And when you have five guys who play that way, I, I go back and I, I look at that Louisville Final Four team, that national championship team Rick Pitino had, where they're just so physical. You know, every foot of the court is going to be pressured. Every cut you make, you're going to have to run through or around someone. That is disruptive by nature. So their defense is so disruptive, yet you have guys like a Marcus Sasser and even a Jamal Shedd who off the bounce can make plays. Shaman Mark can make plays. They have so many playmakers that you don't really know about because their identity is still toughness, physicality, and defense. So they may still slide under the radar, yet be groomed over the season to become a legitimate Final Four team once again. I, I love their identity. I think their identity is what makes them great. And I also love the fact that they have a connectedness within that identity. Some teams, they're connected when they're playing well. Houston's the type of team that's still connected, almost connected even more when they're struggling because the identity is physicality, toughness, and defense. Offense is almost a byproduct of all their identity things that they do, that toughness, physicality, and defense. So I, I love this team. I think Calvin Sampson has done a terrific job of making that program more than relevant, but a team that you actually watch and go, wow, I feel a little beat up, but, man, I want to see, I want to watch them play again. That Alabama game was terrific. Yeah, it really was. Well, John, thank you so much for your time. Uh, tell us again your next game, the 23rd, Rutgers. Yeah, next game, I got, I got Central Connecticut Rutgers. It's one of those you know pre, pre-Christmas specials. Uh, you know, some like to call them trap games because, you know, fans are kind of gone, you know, students are gone, less energy on campus. And it's a Rutgers team that you saw them beat Purdue. You can't lose the games you're, you're supposed to win. So, so I hope they can continue to get things rolling. Steve Peichel's done a terrific job with the program, and I, I love being around them too because there's great energy 
They're blue collar. You take a one star guy and turn him into a five star guy. That, that's a great recipe uh, there in Piscataway. So I'm always excited to be around them, but but really looking forward to conference play and, and hopefully we, we can turn the corner a little bit, see less cancellation. It's that away to Piscataway. Oh boy. <laughs> John, thank you so much, buddy. We thank really appreciate you, you and thank you really for uh, for being a Naismith voter and supporting uh, the Naismith Trophy like you do. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Honored to be a part of it. Thank you, John. Hey, that's going to do it for this week. And this is our final podcast before the Christmas holiday. So to all of you, Merry Christmas and to all happy holidays, safe travel. I was speaking with Utah Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. He had a very interesting line that I think is applicable to college basketball as well. And he said, you know, you've got two opponents now every day. You got the team you're getting ready to face and you've got COVID. And we know what we can do to try to stop COVID. And as we travel, as we meet family and friends over this holiday time, both the Christmas break and New Year's are right around the corner, be safe out there and uh, take care of one another. And we'll see you back here next week for more on the Trophy Life Podcast. Until then, from all of us at the Naismith Awards, Bob Rathman saying so long.